You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, I'm Tash, and I make photographs for a living. Tash Damianovich is a fine art photographer based in Canada. After a successful career and raising a family of five, she's gone on to exhibit internationally, and her work has been recognized by the likes of the Julia Margaret Cameron Awards, the International Photography Awards, and the Tokyo International Photo Awards. Here's my chat with Tash Damianovich. Who are you and what do you make for a living? So my name is Tash Demjanovich, and I'm a fine art photographer. I've been doing this for over two decades, and um, this is the way I find my calm. Well, how'd you get started photographing? Photographizing? Photographing. photographing. That's the photographing, word. That's what yeah. we're looking for. Right. How did you get started <laughs> photographing? So um, I started, uh, I was inspired actually in high school in my last year. Um, I met up, I did a, like a, a co-op and uh, found, I was in a, like a natural history museum back in Belgrade where I grew up in Serbia. And um, the department that I worked in uh, had a, a gentleman, a photographer that was really um, well-known and had traveled all over the country taking amazing photographs. Nobody else wanted to go out. Actually, it was a, he was collecting specimens of all kinds of uh I guess, uh, uh, plants and flowers and, and whatnot. And nobody else wanted to go out. So he went out and he started photographing that for work. And then that grew into a whole other photography practice. And I was inspired by his images. And he's now one of the most well-known photographers in Serbia. And that's what got me started. And that was my first entry into the dark room. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can't tell you what a thrill that was to go into the dark and just see an image appear. So I, I started, you know, the old fashioned way and I did print a lot of my images. Now it's, uh, you know, I work in more in digital, but that thrill of being in the dark room and seeing something appear out of nothing just has never left me. You're not just somebody who's taking pictures. You're a fine art photographer. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious, what's the difference between someone who snapshots to somebody who is a fine art photographer what makes it fine art that's a really good question and you know i've also listened to how other um photographers and fine art photographers answer that and really um i would say the best uh, distinction that i've heard is one in which um the message of the photograph is not um literal and instead you're seeing one thing, but you're talking about something that is a little bit different. So you're elevating the conversation um, from the individual to maybe something that is more broader or maybe even universal. So that's how I would, I would position it really is as uh, taking the conversation, starting the conversation with something specific about the photograph, but not ending it there. Give me an example of that, because I've seen in, in some of your work, you focus on nature and in some of your work, you focus on um, the, the elements seem to be a sort of a, a major component, but you also do figures. You do right, nudes exactly. and body work. What, what is it you're trying to say with your work? So the primary goal of my photography, I mean, one is it's very personal to me and that is, I do really use it to, to find my calm, find my space in which, you know, I can exist outside of 
time and space, if you will. Um, what I'm trying to do is um, capture moments that are fleeting, that show some sort of vulnerability and some sort of magnificence at the same time. I don't necessarily decide, oh, I'm going to be a landscape photographer and I'm going to do portraits. And within fine art, there are a variety of different um, areas within which you could create. But if you look at what's the common thread, so for example, um, my um, landscape images are of um, sailboats. These are these are boats that were sailing in Toronto. They were actually competing, um, but uh, they look as if they're suspended in time. There's very little reference to this being a city, and it's celebrating the wind and the human... I guess, willingness to an ability to overcome challenges. Um, that particular day um, in which I took many of the images was the, the weather was just horrible. It was, it was raining, it was foggy, and the winds were severe. They nearly stopped the race, um, but uh, they kept going. Uh, they made it through and they, in my mind, they triumphed. And so I wanted to show how do you photograph the wind, this this amazing force and a human ability to overcome it. So that when we talk about fine art, that's what I'm referring to, that you look at the photograph and you think, well, that's a picture of two boats. Very nice. Maybe there are a couple of birds in there. Isn't that pretty? <laughs> but um, what I'm trying to get at is the, you know, how to photograph the invisible, how to, to photograph that power of this force of nature and the human over ability to over overcome it or work with it or let it work for us. What led you to be so interested in, in this type of subject matter, this idea of photographing and displaying what's effectively not there? It was not intentional. I didn't kind of think about it at home and then go out and find it. It was really just being open to what's around me. Um, and just to kind of give another example of that would be um, the, the figures. So I started photographing mannequins. Much of what you see, if you don't see a face, uh, chances are on my website, that is a mannequin. Um, and that was my entry into photographing the human figure. I have since graduated, quote unquote, to real humans. Um, but what I, what I was looking for there is, again, what's the, you know, the, the fragility of the human body. And, and those mannequins are photographed as if they were fragile human beings. Meanwhile, those particular ones are made with a very new process and they are virtually indestructible. Uh, they're recyclable, but they're indestructible. So um, that was my take on, again, human um, fragility and looking at how can we become unbreakable. What does that mean for us? We're not mannequins, <clears throat> excuse me, we're not mannequins and we're not, um, you know, made of something indestructible. Uh, so what does that mean in our context? So it was really, I think, following that um, strength, vulnerability, resilience, vector, that's, that's kind of been the overarching theme within my work. So 
while they seem to appear very different you know, landscape and, and figurative and portrait work, what does that have in common? I think it has that in common. And even uh, when I'm photographing, let's say some of the fl- uh, flowers or, you know, I'm looking for a human figure. I'm looking to, uh, I'm looking for the, again, the elements of what what's fleeting, what's fragile and, you know, what can overcome that. You said that you don't normally think of an idea or think of a concept and then go out and execute it. It sort of more organically finds you. But do you ever find yourself without ideas, like without inspiration? Like, do you just pull out the camera and go walking and hope that something hits you? Is that is that how you kind of find your way to these things? Well, okay. So that's a really good question. There are, there are certain times a day and there's certain places in which I find inspiration more easily. So, well, I will tend to go to those places. I love the water. So the beach, um, I love the Toronto Botanical Gardens. I love downtown city escapes where there are people who aren't really aware of what else is going around them. And, uh, you know, I can photograph figures uh, uh, freely. So I find those to be much easier places to find ideas. But I do worry that I won't have ideas. Um, it's never happened that I don't, but just in case <laughs> I have uh, a list of uh, projects and a list of ideas that I want to photograph. And so I just keep adding to that. Um, and so at any given time, I have plenty to work with. What is it about photography itself that became the interesting medium to you? I mean, what draws you to it? What I love about photography is it is grounded in reality. So, um, I mean, these days, digitally, you could create things. You could, you know, draw digitally and create something that does not actually exist. But the way I use photography, it is always grounded in something that is real. And so by, um, by using the different levers that photography offers, for example, um, the quality of the light the perspective, um, and as well as some editing and post-processing, um, I'm able to use reality as a springboard. Um, but there is always, uh, and I don't usually add things into my photographs. I will take away, but I won't add. So that's what I really like about it is that you have this limitation that I've self-imposed on myself, which is I'm going to start with something real. And no matter what else I do, that still stands. I was, I was noticing that you've been featured in a number of magazines, on the news, um, various forms of media coverage. How are these people finding you? Well, yeah, you know, it's changed a little bit due to the COVID pandemic, but um, I did quite a few shows. I did outdoor shows. I did indoor shows um, uh, across uh, North America, and I'm about to have uh, an exhibit in Barcelona, Spain. So these uh, are opportunities. Uh, we do have to apply to them. They, you know, there's a jury. They look for a certain, I guess, level of professionalism and artistic talent um, to get in. And then with the pandemic, uh, I've uh, looked for other opportunities because those shows all basically went away. Those opportunities went away. And so I have been entering competitions, um, most recently, even with my book. So you can enter into, let's say, 
single image or series of photographs um, or even book competitions. So I've been doing that more recently and that has given me incredible exposure. I was really pleased with the um, recognition most recently of the book Beautiful Body, Unbreakable Spirit, um, winning second place at the International Photography Awards. And this is a huge uh, competition worldwide. They actually, um, in better times, uh, they would uh, have Carnegie Hall as uh, the place for all the award winners to get together from across the world. It will still be online. So that was just, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize how much of an opportunity that that sort of platform would be. And uh, so, yeah, I've been, I've been doing that uh, quite a bit more recently. What sort of things has that opened up for you? Um, I think uh, it has uh, given me an opportunity to speak with people that I normally wouldn't have a chance to connect with, uh, both uh, creatively as well as people in you know, marketing and people that are in industry that are looking for other projects. Um, and also, if I have a project in mind and I'm uh, approaching someone, it, it just adds to, to you know, that uh, conversation to be able to say that, um, that I'm an award-winning photographer. Yeah, it never hurts to have award-winning before your name, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so tell me about Beautiful Body, Unbreakable Spirit. This is an interesting project. This book is, uh, yeah, it took about two years to create. Um, it is uh, published by Anita Canada, which is a fine lingerie company. And uh, they have uh, for years supported breast cancer survivors uh, because they have a lingerie line that's specifically dedicated to breast cancer survivors. So Olivia LaRue, who is the sales and marketing director there, um, uh, came across my photographic work and uh, approached me to do this book. And they really wanted to take their sponsorship of the Dragon Boat Breast Cancer Survivor teams to a whole other level. And so she explained what she was looking to do. And uh, I was over the moon excited to do something like this. Um, so this is my first book. And so we very quickly, that was... Uh, December 2019, we got talking, and by January, we were in the studio um, doing the photo shoots, and we were able to get everything um, done just before the pandemic hit. Um, this is a book that celebrates um, women who have had breast cancer and who took up dragon boat racing as part of their recovery, and it features seven women. Uh, it is What's really special about this and, and why this is a uniquely Canadian story is um, 25 years ago, it was unheard of for uh, breast cancer survivors who've had surgery to engage in strenuous upper body activity. That was considered off limits. But, you know, when you take off strenuous body activity, I mean, that could mean picking up your child. You know, this is pretty big to have that limitation in your life. And so 25 years ago, um, Dr. Don McKenzie from University of British Columbia 
ran an experiment with breast cancer survivors, and they picked a dragon boat instead of a canoe. I think he was the official doctor for the Canadian Olympic uh, rowing team. But he he took for the breast cancer survivors, he took um, a, a dragon boat because it was considered more stable, less likely to tip. And it fits 20 people. Um, so he had he ran this experiment and found that not only was there very little risk of negative outcomes, but it was very beneficial to women to engage in this uh, sport. And uh, beyond just exercise alone, these were women that were literally and figuratively in the same boat. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and and through that experiment, have opened up a whole new way to be after breast cancer that was much less life limiting. And as a result, there are over fifty teams in Canada and two hundred and thirty teams across the world that now do this. So, this book is coming out basically on the twenty fifth anniversary of that experiment. What was it like to make the book? I mean, what was it like to, 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 to photograph these women, hear their stories, speak with them, and, and try to find ways to, 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 to photograph them, to portray them? Well, this was a really personal journey for me um, because, as I mentioned, I was photographing primarily mannequins that were made in the image of a quote-unquote some perfect <laughs> human <laughs> right um so uh for me to to move from photographing these manufactured bodies to photographing real women who are in their 40s 50s and 80s um was a was a challenge um and it was one that i really wanted to take on i wanted to see how would I do this? How would I, you know, everybody's got their own take on things. So it was, it was, it was a little bit scary, I will say. Um, but it was, it was just so fulfilling. And you know, what was really wonderful about um, Anita, the sponsor is that uh, they didn't rush me. I told them, look, the way I know they work with fashion photographers previously, where, you know, you can put on 20 outfits in three hours and you know it's 10 minutes per outfit and you just go next 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 and that's it well i told them i my process is very slow uh, i i worked with each woman and there were seven of them four hours each and we would you know uh, give them certain props and i would i would photograph them and and really look for that special moment and look for that moment in which they showed that they were comfortable with their bodies and with their new bodies, if you will, the changed bodies. Um, uh, and, and they were in lingerie. So, you know, they were quite vulnerable um, through this process too, and very trusting of me to be able to come out uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, go through this journey with me. Now, as a photographer who primarily worked with plastic mannequins uh before how were you the one who was were you selected did you pitch this idea like how did this come to pass that you were the one who was going to photograph when they have let's be fair all of these different photographers out there that they're probably more used to using why were you selected well uh i actually um so i knew of anita and i 
um, asked them if I could borrow some of their product to put on the mannequins and just experiment. Really, I was uh, I was creating a body of work and preparing for you know what would be the next show. Um, and so that's how I got to um, to talk to them about it. And I mentioned I'm a finer photographer. This is my website. Um, let me know if I could, you know, borrow something. It's just going on mannequins and, you know, this will be back to you in no time. And, um, and they saw my work and they really loved it. it I think it embodied in them. It, it, they saw the potential of what could be a project that I do in my own style using real humans. You know, when you're talking about people's health conditions um, and you're talking to people about stuff that's intensely personal uh, and you're asking them to share with you is, you know, are you ever worried about stepping over a line or um, stepping into a world where you are, shall we say, a tourist? Are you worried about being deemed a tourist literally with a with a camera on? Part of it is my process that I'm not snapping. I'm not like a tourist. Typically, is someone who will ride on the bus, hop out of the bus for 10 minutes, you know, get back on the bus and you have your photograph, right? right? That's exactly what I'm not trying to do. I am trying to sit there, be with it, be with them, whoever, you know, it is that I'm photographing, understand it, learn something new. And hopefully it's a discovery process for me, find something that is captivating and that is unique and that I can cover in my own unique way. Do you have a team? Is there somebody hauling your gear or somebody who's setting up your shoots for you? Not regularly. No, I've had people help out. Um, definitely. My family has been really great. <laughs> my husband, <laughs> um, especially when we're doing landscapes, but uh, usually I try not to take too much gear for the book. For example, I did have a lot of different things. I was not sure you know, until we got to the set, which props, which backgrounds would be a good fit. I, I did a, quite a bit of preparation for each, um, the shoot with each woman. So uh, I did select, for example, the lingerie I selected. Um, we had hats and pearls and scarves and things like that. And then the studio, um, Studio Bon Soleil that we used had so many different um, areas to it uh, that you could really make uh, unique uh, portraits that were separate from every other portrait and different. So um, I, in that case, I really did like a lot of stuff um, and it wasn't just gear and uh, everybody helped out. Um, we did have you know the models and there was um, Olivia and Marie from Studio Bon Soleil and we all kind of <laughs> were carrying stuff up and down um, a few flights. So that was a huge help. But I try not to get uh, bogged down in too much gear. I really think it's more about the art of seeing than about the technical stuff. I'm not one of these photographers that talks too much about all the you know technical things that go into it. I have a background you know, in it. I've studied it. But my interest is in really... Um, like the emotional aspects of a photograph and and those insights, not so much the technical. And speaking of the emotional sides of things, what did the the women who were the subjects in the book, what's their response been to seeing themselves in these photos? Um, it's been overwhelmingly positive. And the, the 
the emails that I've received and the and the thank yous and the conversations we've had, I mean, they didn't see any of the images until uh, we did a little book reveal just you know a couple months before um, launch. Um, it was overwhelming and it was absolutely wonderful. And what was great, I've talked only about the studio, but you know, I went out there and photographed them dragon boat racing. And I really, I'm not a sports photographer. And so the challenge there was, how do I cover this without looking like it's coming from a sports photographer? And so, you know, in the book, you see that there are these, um, you know, uh, cityscapes and with them, and it's like a silhouette boat. Um, and you see um, Eleanor, the drummer, uh, screaming out. So these are the sorts of things that I wanted to capture that was, again, more lyrical. It was, it was a, a way to cover um, a sport that is different from what you would traditionally think of. What are you doing for this book specifically? How is it getting promoted and what are you doing to help it get seen? So this book has had so much coverage. I have to just be so grateful. I mean, we all are doing things to help promote it. So I'm working very closely with uh, Anita and we have a PR professional um, that is helping us uh, work on this book uh, and getting it out there. But during the month of October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We've been on CBC and CTV and Global News and CP24 and Globe and Mail and et cetera, et cetera. Um, Cheryl Pounder, who is a two-time gold Olympic medalist uh, and whose mom had breast cancer and uh, did dragon boating, has written the foreword for it. So she's been really helpful as well. And then the women themselves were really, it's, it's a team effort to get the word out. I mean, it's such a busy place, you know, the world is. And October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is usually quite busy with a lot of different things um, happening uh, around this subject. So I'm just really pleased with all the coverage that we've received. And, uh, and I think the fact that, you know, while it is $60, all of it goes back to fundraising for these women and uh, I think as a coffee table book, for example, if you were to use it as that, it's a continuous inspiration of uh, how life can be really energizing and beautiful and fulfilling, uh, despite the challenges you may be facing. What sort of advice do you have for people who may want to get into photography, fine art or otherwise for that matter? I think uh, photography these days, you know, the cost of entry is very low. <laughs> so anybody really can get into it. Um, I think what's really important though, is if you want to treat it as something special that, uh, that tells a story and that tells something about you personally is to really open your eyes and look for what inspires you. And then take that, take that journey, um, see where it goes. It's, it's very hard to pre-plan. I think a lot of things that are creative, um, or it, it may be more formulaic and it may be more kind of template oriented and stale. If you're just kind of thinking it through planning it and, and going into it, I find for me. Um, so my advice is get started, 
there's nothing to wait for. There's no better time. I certainly, you know, it took me a long time to, to get, um, to use my time more effectively in, um, in creating images. It, it would, you know, I, I kept using the excuse, well, I'm not in the mood. And I mean, I let myself use that excuse, I guess, is the better way to phrase it. I'm not in the mood. This is not, um, you know, the right subject. This is not the right time. Uh, and uh, over time, you just realize, you know what, just go do it. I mean, you might have heard Jerry Seinfeld say, you know, I write, I think it's two hours a day or whatever it is, um, every single day. And it's a practice. And so if I do that, well, eventually I'll come up with something good. So just keep at it. So I think of it more like that, which is uh, keep it alive, keep moving forward, keep exploring what you find interesting and, and something will come of it guaranteed. Tash, where can people find out more about you? So um, my website is uh, Tash D like David dot art. And then the book uh, website is beautifulunbreakable.com as well as Instagram tashd.art and beautiful underscore unbreakable. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us how you make a living. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com and follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.